0: ready to create and grow the impactful and profitable business you've been dreaming of? It's
1: all possible. A bigger audience, more impact, and a new revenue stream. We'll show you how. I'm Jenny Barcelos. And I'm Sandy Connery. And this is the Soulful MBA Podcast. everyone, and welcome to episode 10 of the Soulful MBA podcast. Today's episode is all about collaboration. I'm joined today with my co-host, Sandy. Hi, Jenny. Hey, Sandy. And we're here to tell you a little bit about our own beliefs around the topic of collaboration and why we think that this is something that you should actively consider in your own entrepreneurial journey to see if it might be the right fit for you as well. So Sandy, you proposed this topic. So I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to you and just sort of let you explain to folks why collaboration is such a big, important topic for us and why it made our kind of top 10 podcast episodes.
0: Sure. So I think collaboration is a a really big and important word to me personally. And I've seen some of our clients ask questions about who to partner with or how to reach out to influencers. And uh, I think I just started thinking about my life and my business career and every step of the way I have had a business partner, whether I, you know, purposefully go and seek one or not. It just seems to always fall in my lap. And I thought it would be an interesting topic to discuss the whole idea of collaboration when you collaborate and how do you collaborate. Yeah. I think the bottom line is it's really hard to do it alone. It's really hard
1: in business and entrepreneurship to do it alone. And, you know, we have not seen a lot of examples of anyone really being able to do that at any super high level. There are like kind of ghostly creatures out in the ethers, like some of our heroes and mentors like Seth Godin sort of works in a solitary way, but I I think you have to reach a certain level of fame and notoriety in order to make that work. I mean, if you're a freelancer and you're just doing kind of like private yoga teaching lessons or you're a freelance web designer or something, I think, you know, that's fine. And if that suits you, that's obviously ideal for you. But if you're looking to grow something that can scale, you, I think, need to be at least open to the idea of collaborating on some level. So we're going to parse through this topic a bit today and and talk about strategies that we found that have worked in terms of making us more successful as partners and As kind of people who run a team and also we're going to talk about kind of some examples that we've seen come up in our community with our clients and and kind of give you our take on those situations. Mm
0: -hmm. And Jenny, I wanted to say when researching this and thinking about this, I, I was thinking about like, who do I know that are really amazing female partners that we can watch and to follow. And it's so hard to find. If you look at like Google and Apple and Microsoft and Yahoo, they're all started by male partners. And the only ones I could find were Jessica Heron and Blythe Harris, who owns Stella and Dot, which is an enormous, like $300 million jewelry company. And I, I think I've mentioned them before. I really love what those two do, but they're a really great example, but it was really hard to find, you know, in that bigger kind of company level that any uh, anybody uh, doing what we're trying to do. Yeah, I think that's true. I think there are some reasons for that,
1: partly because there are not a lot of females in those roles in general. Mm -hmm. So the sample size is not very large. And I think also a lot of folks like us who were both working moms, we kind of work, we do this as well as we parent young children. I think, you know, convenience wise, it's sort of hard to match schedules with another another female in this age range who has a family just because we're super busy juggling a lot of things
0: right but I also think that's a huge advantage too is that oh yeah as female partners if your daughter is sick and we have a podcast scheduled I don't get all mad about it right like I completely yeah. understand and expect the reverse yeah. right yep. so the flexibility of two female partners I think is really easy and I think back to my male partners that I've had business partners and I, it's a little bit, you know, I think there's a little bit of less understanding with mm-hmm. when things like that, because ultimately yeah. that child rearing and running a household falls on us, which is a whole other topic, but so maybe we <laughs> need to do that. I podcast know. Eventually I know. too. <laughs> um, but I think to your point too, like, it's just so much more fun. I don't know yeah. how many more, t- how many times that one of us have said, Something's happened, either good or bad. And one of us has gone, oh, my God, I can't imagine doing this by myself. You know, like the celebrations are so much more fun with someone else. And then, of course, when things are difficult, it's just easier to talk it through with somebody
1: yeah. And I think, you know, the truth is, is that none of us are great and perfect at everything. So we all have our unique skill sets and backgrounds and professions that we kind of bring to the table when we enter into entrepreneurship. And so to just to sort of assume that you're going to be able to do it all yourself is, I don't know, it's a it's a little bit audacious and And often that doesn't really work well. So for example, we can talk a little bit about some of our kind of very specific techniques that we use, Sandy. Mm -hmm. We have very different writing styles. Like copywriting is not something I'm very comfortable with, but I'm very comfortable with editing because I edited... A like, I don't know, 1200 page textbook, scientific textbook in in law school. And I just, I, I sort of enjoy editing myself. And so we, you do a lot of like kind of the bulk writing in terms of our like email sequences and that kind of stuff where I don't, I'm not that kind of a writer. And then I, I go in and edit it and sort of the finished product is what our clients see and what our community sees. And that's really usually both of us contributing in our own way. Right. And you know, not everyone's going to have those same kind of workflows at all. But like, that's just one tiny example. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have different levels of like technical skill and we have different levels of sort of introversion and extroversion Mm -hmm. in terms of customer service and support. Like we have, we balance each other. And I think that's maybe one thing to think about when you're evaluating whether or not collaboration and partnership is right for you is to think about what are your skills and what are, where are you sort of lacking or where, where could you use some support? Mm -hmm. And that that's helpful to kind of tease out you know, who might be a good partner or collaborator going forward?
0: I think we often want to partner with our best friends because it'd be fun to have a business together. And I don't think that that's the a great decision path to go along. However, when you and I started, we didn't know that we had such complementary skill sets. Like that was, there are so many little things we stumbled upon in the beginning that kind of surprised me, right? Because Mm -hmm. I can write, I can start anything. I can start writing anything, but I can't ever bring it to like this beautiful, publishable, finished level. And you just like, Give it to me. And you just like polish it up and make it beautiful. And it's like so that was really shocking. It was an an amazing little discovery that we had. And there's so I think the complementary skills is is you can't emphasize that enough because you both can't be the same person doing the same thing.
1: Yeah, and in even learning new things too. I mean, it's just really nice to be able to share the workload, and we have a bigger team obviously than just the two of us. So it, this sort of is now expanded out beyond just Sandy, you and I. We have every single person who we work with who plays a role in Namastream has a, a different skill set and different kind of unique genius that they bring to the table, but. I think, you know, as a leader, your role, my role has been to try to make sure that we're accounting for all of the needs that the company has and kind of finding the right folks, the right collaborators and talent to bring to those areas of expertise and focus and, you know, nothing's perfect, but that's, that's become a huge part of my role. And I, and I think that it also is helpful for me to be able to acknowledge my own weaknesses in that process, because I think as founders, as entrepreneurs, or as small business owners, as someone, you know, you're starting something and it is sort of like you're birthing it into the world and it's your baby to be able to share that with anyone else at any level, I think is a bit tricky, especially at first, because you're giving up control and, you know, people aren't going to do things exactly the way, same way that you Mm -hmm. would. And Sandy, when I brought you into Namastream, like the way that you did things was very different than the way that I did things. And I had to adjust, let go, and just in in a way, just sort of give up complete control. And because I trusted you. So even though you were doing things differently than I would have done them um, I trusted that your way was just as good, if not better than mine. And I had to kind of always just, better. It's my way is always, always better. better. <laughs> like I just had to just not, I had to distance myself from the parts of the company right. that I had turned over but to that, you.
0: But that's a situation where you were the sole person. And then you brought a partner in as opposed yeah. to us starting at the same time, yeah. it might've, you know, might've been a little bit different, but, but we took oh. it very seriously. Like when we decided or started talking about it, we actually went and got coaching from a team to a team of coaches. So a partnership coaches in partnership who coach others who want to go into partnerships. And it was kind of a, it's like getting married. It was like getting, yeah. you know, marriage counseling before that big day. And it brought up a lot of things like things that are going to trip you up or make sure you do this, or here's the traps that people fall into. And, um, they drew upon the Four Agreements a lot to teach us how to operate in partnerships.
1: Yeah, and we'll link to the Four Agreements, which is a really phenomenal book if you haven't read it. We'll use that as our... Joy for the week. But like for me, it's something that I feel like I need to reread or re listen to the audiobook version of that book every single year, just because there's so much wisdom in it. And maybe we should just go over the four agreements. And I would encourage anyone who is either bringing on a team or bringing on a partner, or going into business with someone to take a look at this book. Um, even if you're just sort of like going into a, a, like Sandy said, like a marriage or that kind of a relationship, it's, it's really a gem. It was written by someone named Don Miguel Ruiz and He's sort of famous for having quoted, death is not the biggest fear we have. Our biggest fear is taking the risk to be alive, the risk to be alive and express what we really are. And he wrote this book to sort of help people articulate their their vision for their lives. Um, And the four agreements, they're really simple concepts. And I, I don't think like anyone can really disagree with any of these four precepts. But if you follow them and you try to follow them, you realize that it's a little bit hard to actually follow them. So the first one is be impeccable with your word. Right. So that's if you tell someone you're going to do something, you actually have to do it. You have to follow through. The second one is don't take anything personally,
0: this which is hard, really hard oh, You're going to say that. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> so hard. What do you mean and you didn't like my email? You didn't like my email? I just wrote I spent an hour on that email. We've had that exact conversation.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean that one's hard. And I also am one of these highly sensitive people. Oh, I can play um, on that so and much. so there are lots of times and it's it gotten less so over the last year, year and a half, but like there are <laughs> lots of times where I think Sandy is, I think you're so mad at me because you, you like, you didn't cushion whatever comment you were sending me in Slack with like happy emojis. Right. And so I'm like, Sandy hates me. Oh my God. Sandy hates me. I'm the worst person. And you're
0: like, I'm not mad at you. What are you talking about? And so, and anyway, now I like to joke about it because it gets you into such a, t- but now you get it. Like now it's, I get it. it's funny. Yeah, it's funny. but it's,
1: it's a, that's a hard lesson, <laughs> um, for some of us to learn. So don't take anything personally, right? Like there's probably a reason someone you're working with is talking to you a certain way or saying something in a certain way. And, and also customers,
0: Oh, that's even Don't harder. take it personally from your customers, right? They are yeah, not your always mad at you. Yeah,
1: yeah. So somebody might have just had, be having a bad day, right? Yep. And so, yeah, it's hard. And especially on, in online, the online world and online business, like we talk every day on Zoom or in our own platform or, you know, wherever and off now on the phone, because I have free <laughs> calling to Canada. Thank you, T-Mobile. But we often talk through Slack or email, right? And that's really hard with tone. And our customers primarily talk with us via email. And so it's super hard to judge someone's tone. It's easy if someone's quickly writing a message. um, It's really easy to sort of not put in like, thank you, all the best. You know, like they just maybe just send you three sentences and they're not mad, but it's easy to interpreted as being mad. So anyway, <laughs> don't take it personally. That's rule number two. Rule number three is don't make assumptions. Again, a really hard thing to do. I think our, culturally we're wired to make assumptions as sort of a quick way of thinking about something. We already kind of have it in our mind what's going on. And often this leads to extreme trouble within relationships. <laughs> and the fourth one is always do your best. Again, like, easier said than done. So I, I think like the lesson in terms of partnership related to these four agreements is that you you both, or collaboration or team or whatever, you all agree. To, to live these four things, to work these in these four pillars. And you also have to then acknowledge and sort of give people the benefit of the doubt that they are also doing that. So, for example, if someone is not, if you think someone is not doing a good job, you have to sort of give them the benefit of the doubt that they are doing their best. Anyway, it's it's sort of something, like I said, to return to over and over again, because it's really powerful and it's also really challenging to implement um, so I think the audiobook of the four agreements is really quite short. I think it's a couple of hours long. And of course, I'm an audiobook fiend and especially if it's read by the author. And this one is not read by the author, but it's read by Peter Coyote, who's really a wonderful. Yeah, actor. his voice, yeah. And his voice mm-hmm. is magical. So um yeah, do yourself a give yourself a treat and go head on over to an audio bookstore like Audible. We are not sponsored by them, but
0: you know, head on over there and download a copy for yourself. Yeah, no, I think it's it's powerful work. And, and if you can read it in any new situation that comes to you, you can just sort of put it in different contexts and it's always, always valuable.
1: This podcast is brought to you by the Namastream software platform. Namastream is a tool designed to help you teach, train, and coach from anywhere on the planet. If you're a wellness professional looking to take your business to the next level, you can learn more at namastream.com. We also, I think, should talk a little bit about personality type too. So there are a lot of these personality tests out there and kind of ways to evaluate your own skills and your own, you know, qualities that you're best at. And I think it's worth, worth also sort of diving into that. I know on Myers-Briggs, I am an I-N-F-J. See, I have a problem with this already. <laughs> you go finish. <laughs> I am the most rare one, and I don't even know what Sandy thinks about
0: this, so I'm springing this on you, Sandy, in this conversation. Well, it's 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 funny that you brought this up because I was I I have read this author for a number of years, and nobody else in the world I think knows who she is. But her name is Carolyn Mace M Y S S. It's kind of a different pronunciation than what it's spelled, and she does work in archetypes, and I can only think in archetypes now. And um, we've been in different programs together, and there's so many different personality tests and numbers and letters and um letters I, well I F M R like all, all that. I know, <laughs> you know and it's it doesn't true. mean anything to me and I know we did one in um that our course where we first met and it was like I'm a number three and I'm a number one and I was like what? oh yeah I, I don't even remember right that. and they're all and I just they don't mean anything to me because I have to go back and look and anyway C- Carolyn Mace's work um she de- works in archetypes and describes personalities and work and archetypes. And so all of us have 12 and it's like the, the mother and the nurture and the saboteur and the, and, and the child. And, and you're an advocate and I'm an athlete and like, and I see them in pe- when I meet people. Do you actually know this? Yeah. Is this real? Yes. You've never told me this. I know. Well, I know because we never talked about it. <laughs> and it's just that's why it's funny to me because I picked up Carolyn's book last night because I I don't know oh. I, I sometimes I forget the architects and I like to go back and look and I go oh that's what so and so that's why she's like that and anyway I was going to tell you about this because I love this woman's work and her books are not like recent. I think their latest one is maybe three or four years old, but I just think that that is so much easier because I can tell you that I'm a nurturer and I am an athlete and I am a mother and a child and we can live in and operate in higher or lower levels of each of those archetypes so each each archetype has a sort of a positive and a negative, right? And anyway, I just would prefer if the whole world, for my sake, would switch to archetypes and not this these letters and numbers that I can never remember. but so maybe I should research
1: these archetypes. Yeah. it sounds
0: great. It I sounds know exactly what awesome. you are. I know okay, so tell me what I so tell me well, what there's, I am, like, Sandy. there's like actually, this is why I was looking at it like there's a social advocate which you are, which I am not. And I think there's the part of you that's like the, a justice. There's a like a, mm-hmm. a justice, a lawyer in you, and not for the you know work like just that like the, the fairness in the world and yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And I have a nurturing side to me. And I was reading. This is what I wanted to tell you. I was I was reading that like nurturers are like natural parents. And they, a a lot of females have that as an archetype, but not necessarily just because you're female doesn't mean you're a natural nurturer. But the downside of being a nurturer, like the negative, the shadow side is that you start resenting when you are serving others. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm in that phase right now. I'm just like angry that I'm doing everything for everyone. You know, those phases that you go through. Mm -hmm. And I, I just, I just, Flipped it open, and that was the paragraph I read. I'm like, I have to tell Jenny about this book. So yeah. I will
1: go through well, it. We'll link to it in the yeah, show notes. I will
0: pick up it's a great. copy. Yeah, it's it's wonderful. Um, anyway, that's a whole other aside that we didn't mean to get (laughs) into, (laughs) but it's important. It's important too. I mean, I think from
1: regardless of what sort of tool you're using to figure out what your strengths are or your archetype or your Myers-Briggs personality type or whatever, I think it's really important to make sure that you have a diverse group of skills across your partnership or your team. And I also think it's important that the skills match up to the actual, Work. work of the business. So I I, I can see that there are uh, businesses or organizations where you don't need all these different skills represented. Like if you're a copywriting company or something like you can kind of be kind of quiet and everyone can be sort of bookish. And so for our clients and a lot of folks who are building a public persona online or a business that, that takes up space publicly, I think you need to make sure that you're comfortable with being public and there's some element of you in a partnership or a team that is willing to do that work because it's incredibly vital to your success that you, that you have those certain skills or personality features represented in your work. So, I I mean, and I just, I think the bigger lesson I want to say about collaboration is, is like I'm the same as you, Sandy. Everything I've ever done has basically been in partnership or with a, with a group of people. Like every course I've taught in universities, like every project I've taken on, almost entirely I've done collaboratively because I recognize my own weaknesses, and I also I also know that if you want to build something big, like I'm never really interested in doing something small, and and something just sort of local in a way. I want everything I do to have impact for it to be worth my time. And I know that that's really hard to do as one person. I suppose like writing a book is something I could do as one person, but even though I'm contemplating right now, taking that on, I'm also actively thinking like, is there someone I should be writing this book with versus just myself? Because I only bring a certain, you know, set of skills or experiences to the table. So um, I just I would encourage everyone to really consider it. I, I think that uh, clients that we have that we work with, especially early on with Namastream, um, the folks who were in a partnership, in relationship in their business, have done overall. I would say you know, significantly better than folks who are solo operators. And often one person is sort of like the face of the business and the other one is like the business brain or, you know, it's a, it's a married couple. And one person is, has more of a business acumen and is behind the scenes. Um, But we, I've seen it over and over again. It's just much easier to scale quickly and be successful in a shorter amount of time because there
0: are, you know, there are more people working. Mm -hmm. That, yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. But I also wanted to touch upon <clears throat> for those that are just those soul printers, those one, you know, those independent moms working at home, for example, they also shouldn't write off collaboration because there's lots of opportunity for them to collaborate with influencers in their niche market, or they can collaborate with their students or with their clients. We have one client right now who's collaborating, and I and I never actually really thought about it this way until right now, but her beta group that she's testing with—that's collaboration, right? She is using, yeah. she's making these relationships with a trusted core group of students who are testing her content and giving her incredibly valuable feedback, and she's reworking some of her uh, videos, uh, particularly the length, to make a better product, right? That's collaboration,
1: yeah, and also exactly.
0: reaching out to influence in your niche market to do talks, local talks, or teach workshops, or to you know, write a blog or get on a podcast. All of that is also collaboration. So collaboration doesn't just mean partnership at a big high level equity ownership. It can mean just working with someone to move, move that business forward.
1: And I just want to credit the early success of Namastream, the ability to get the company off the ground with the fact that I worked closely with a handful of, of sort of significant yoga studio owners. And they helped to shape the entire direction of the platform, like where the buttons were, what color things were, everything. And um, one of those folks, Chris, who is an advisor to the company and continues to be an advisor to the company, even having sold his, his chain of studios, is you know, I consider a collaborator a hundred percent with the, in the early stage growth of our company. And I, I couldn't have done it. Like I didn't have the experience of owning whatever seven yoga studios or however many studios it was. And I had this person I could call and connect with, you know, on, on like a weekly basis and learn from. And it took, it takes sort of, I think, That ability to recognize your own weaknesses and, and be open and humble about what you can learn from others in order to make what you're building even better. And I think, yeah, what you're saying is exactly true, Sandy, everyone who, who creates a beta group for their signature products or their membership sites is doing the exact same thing. And I also think like, if you're reaching out to other folks on social, if you're reaching out to other people on Instagram and writing guest blogs for our other websites like all of that is collaboration to some degree and mm-hmm. i think that's that's kind of like the way the internet works and and the more open you can be to that i think you know the more quickly like i said you'll find success or more likely you'll that it's the more likely you'll be successful
0: yeah uh, and and i think the key to making those collaborations those collabos successful is to always be thinking not from your perspective what you can gain but instead what does that other person need, and that's that's the trick. And so, a lot of people uh, come to Namstream and say, "Oh, I'd love to write for your blog." And there was a time when we were doing guest blogs, but it wasn't all that successful because the what was submitted was typically about their business and had nothing to do, wasn't really helping our customers and what they were expecting from us, except for one case, which is Caitlin King, who is an extremely important collaborator with Namastream now, because she offered to help teach our teachers videography and video editing, which is of course what we need. And she recognized that and she spun it so that it was like this huge value to us. And I, I picked up the phone and called her off of a cold email. And that's, that's how you collaborate. So I think You also have to realize that reaching out to people can sometimes be intimidating and but know that every single person is looking for content. Every single person has to come up with new content and new ideas. And I don't care how, you know, established they are, how long they've been doing this. They're still looking for content. And if you can really fill a need for them, then and it makes sense, then it it will happen. So I just really encourage people no matter what collaboration they're looking for is just to step out of their shoes and look at it from the other person's.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I'll I'll just say like To take that one step further, that to me is so natural. Like it's hard for me to do the opposite. It's hard for me to think of like what can I get out of this person or what can I get out of this relationship. And I think that comes from having a background in kind of public service, the nonprofit world, and in in the academic world,
0: social advocate archetype.
1: Okay, it's because of my archetype, but it's also because I've never like I would go into communities and do work, and I never expected those people to give me anything back like even money right like because when you're externally funded you can go and sort of freely give and serve um, in whatever capacity a given group or situation needs and so to me that's actually what's natural and it's probably dysfunctional in the business world to think like that but it's it's actually completely natural for me so I don't
0: think that's dysfunctional at all yeah I think it's needed and People, yeah, but people don't. I hope so. I really don't think people think like that naturally, Jenny. Like they just think about what they need. Yeah, just, well, they just may not. They just don't know, right? Like they just don't know. They've never been on the other end of receiving requests that you know <laughs> don't yeah. help. Yeah, and I, well, I guess I
1: think for me, I just will acknowledge kind of the you know the extreme gift that it it has been over much of my life to not have to worry about that um to be able to be in a situation where i had the privilege to serve without worrying about how he's going to eat. Right. Like I just need to acknowledge Mm -hmm. that that's not a normal thing. Um, in the business world, Mm -hmm. it's a bit different than that. Right. And so you have to be concerned, you know, with the fact that you're running a business and you have to put food on the table and, um, you have to pay salaries and, you know, contractor fees and all of that. Of course, that's important. And that's justifiably important. But I, I will just say like, I'm, I'm personally kind of influenced by the fact that I didn't have to do that for a really long time because there was a foundation or mm-hmm. right. a university or you know a wealthy donor sort of supporting that work right. true for what it's worth <laughs> just a, an acknowledgement that that's actually not normal and I understand that okay I think we should go ahead and wrap up so again our joy for the week is the four agreements and we'll put a link to that in the show notes both the book copy of it and the audiobook. Read by Peter Coyote, Mm -hmm. who is phenomenal. And our hustle is just, we're gonna link to a couple of the platforms that our team actually uses to stay in touch every day. So we are huge like fans of Slack. For those of you that don't use Slack and you work in any kind of group environment, highly recommend that you go ahead and and get yourself a free Slack account. I think I'm looking at my Slack dashboard. I think I actually have like 14 different Slack accounts in there, which is... (laughs) also a little hard. insane a little insane and then um and then we use asana to sort of project manage within our team too and that's that's they're different um and I will encourage you just sort of to explore and see what might be best for you but we use the free plan for mm-hmm. Asana and we actually use a paid plan for Slack now, um, but we use the free plan for like a year and it was great and it was perfect. And my favorite thing to do in oh, Slack, no. which I think <laughs> is, is important when we're talking about collaboration oh, and right. kind of team building, be nice to and others, te- be
0: nice to your partner, be nice to your partner.
1: <laughs> I have to say this because I think when you're, like I said earlier, when you're communicating electronically, tone is really hard. To convey and to understand. And so we use a lot of Giphy. We use, we have an integration directly within our team Slack for Nomad Stream with Giphy. And we can just like backslash Giphy and type any word and you will get a GIF. Like I can do backslash Giphy cat to Sandy, which she will hate. And it will send some sort of cat GIF to, to her immediately. And it will be wonderful. And some of them and are I send really fun. back a glass of wine. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yes. So this is ours. I think a lot of a lot of companies, (laughs) a lot of teams do this. But for those of you who are who do not use Giphy, we just recommend it as a collaborative tool (laughs) to sort of keep everyone happy and connected to each other. So it's kind of silly, but it will lead to success. Yeah. So anyway, thanks so much for listening. To our podcast. If you like what you're hearing, we would love it if you could subscribe and leave a review, an honest review in iTunes. It would help get the podcast out to more folks. And without further ado, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye.
0: Soulful MBA is not just the name of our podcast. It's also the name of our premium business course and community. If you are a wellness entrepreneur who dreams of growing your business online, but you're not clear on your next steps and you wish you had someone to guide you, then we've got something for you. Get Soulful MBA's first syllabus and three free video lessons by heading over to soulful.mba slash sample.